listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here, and today's show is going to focus on the world of commercial lending. We've done a few episodes in the past where we've touched on it, but I want to start doing a more intentional deep dive into commercial lending because we have a lot more clients, a lot more investors going in the commercial world, and it is a completely different world than residential lending. Different rules, different everything, and so we're going to start talking about uh, commercial lending today with our guest and strategic partners, Marcus Davis and William Foy with Spearhead Commercial Capital. Good morning, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. Yeah, very glad to have you guys on here. And I want to make sure, uh, really stress that you guys are strategic partners here for commercial lending. And back in episode 352, I went over a high-level overview about what the strategic partner program is. And as a quick reminder, it's basically people and vendors and other people around town that we know, like, trust, and do business with. And we've been doing business with you guys for a number of years now, and we know, like, and trust you. So very glad to have you in the show and have you be a, a bigger part of our overall educational content and network out here in Colorado. So, William, give me a quick background as to what you guys do here at Spearhead. Yeah, so uh, Spearhead Commercial Capital is a commercial mortgage brokering firm, um, which means we broker debt on um, all kinds of commercial property types. And both Marcus and I are kind of former bankers. We both have uh, 12 plus years of experience underwriting deals for a number of different banking institutions. Um, And we started this entity because we didn't like saying no to our clients at the bank. Um, Banks can change their appetite on, you know, uh, investor real estate specifically, but all kinds of different asset classes. um, So they can kind of close off one bucket, if you will. And um, uh, that can be very challenging when you built a book of business around people who like investing in commercial real estate. So uh, we started Spearhead Commercial Capital to um, always have a lending option for our clients. Yeah, I love it. And that's actually exactly how we got in touch with you guys uh, about two years ago, uh, right as or before the pandemic started, we had two local banks that were our go-to banks that always worked out great um, for our clients and you know the, the assets from our clients buy. And just you said, it was great until they, it wasn't great, and they changed what uh, their loan committees would approve. And obviously, commercial lending got really wonky during the first few months of the pandemic. And we had a deal with children contract, and like I said, our go-to relationships, just brick wall, we can't do anything, or, and they had like ridiculous terms on there for LTV and interest rates. Um, Got in touch with you guys, and you guys basically saved that deal. And since then, you've been our go-to brokers for deals that we've done, a lot of our clients have done, and helped a lot of people. And what I like about it is exactly what you said. You guys play matchmaker. You know based off of what the investor's profile is, the asset profile, the location, whatever appetite that bank, different banks have right now. You know all the ingredients on the board there, and you can play matchmaker to, you know, get not only get the deal to the finish line, the closing table, but also make sure that the client gets the absolute best uh, terms uh, and the best loan for their situation. So I've been loving with you guys last couple of years, and I know our clients have as well. So moving on to kind of going through the five different profiles, because we were 
we kind of went back and forth on best way to talk about how to get in commercial lending because it can go down a rabbit hole very fast and be very technical and very easy to uh, put people sleep by minute 13 with this nuance on this nuance, which is one of the great things about you know commercial lending since it is so different, but it's also one of the tough things to describe. So rather than going through like a laundry list of underwriting rules, uh, Marcus and William actually went down and wrote down five investor stories that do a pretty good job of capturing what a lot of the typical clients we see come out here and buy. And that's from like beginning commercial investors to very experienced commercial investors. So we'll run through the gamut. I think you're taking the first one, right, Marcus? Yeah, that's right. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, a common a common borrower we see is somebody transitioning from, you know, one through four single family investments to a true commercial real estate play. Um, in this in this deal that I'm going to And let me, so when ahead. you say true commercial real estate play, what's the define that? Yeah, if we're talking multifamily or, um, you know, we're talking five units and above, and then really we're talking about any other property that generates um, income through rentals. So, you know, office, um, industrial, uh, self-storage, lots of different asset classes. So so basically everything that's not a one to four unit residential property. There you go. That's probably a better way to say it. Um, so we have a, a very common investor is somebody who's transitioning from the one through four to uh, a true commercial real estate play. Uh, we had a local investor here who had seen some um, big lifts in their company stock portfolio. And they had a couple of single family port, uh, single family residences in their real estate portfolio as well. But uh, the lady wanted to take uh, some of her earnings from the stock uh, growth and turning into a multifamily opportunity that they identified in a mountain community. Their main goal was, was, top, was top of the market leverage and they were trying to get 75% loan to value. Um, that can be a struggle with today's returns, but you know what we did is we identified uh, a lender that can work with a first-time investor. Um, we we presented their their loan port uh, package, excuse me, um, as a as a global underwrite where we're relying on their personal income to push leverage. Uh, but in this situation, we were able to get the lady uh, a seventy-five percent loan-to-value loan. Her son was going to manage the property and. It, it's a nice loan to help her transition to her first investment. And it's a, a key thing for commercial is experience and track record carries a lot of weight in commercial where, you know, my experience from residential lending, whether it's your, your first residential conventional loan or your fifth, they don't really care. It kind of comes down to you check the boxes or not. Commercial, if I have, you know, I might have, a, you know, four plex and a few single family rentals. Sure. But William over here has a couple, six, 10, 12 unit properties. We both go to the lender. We go to you. The lender views us differently based off a of track record experience, right? That's the truth. Yeah. Um, there's different programs available for, you know, the, the second borrower that you mentioned who has a more substantial portfolio and has had more experience. Um, but there are, there are plenty of lenders available that can work with what we consider first time investors. And that's... That's the emphasis. Yeah. And so can you kind of give us little details as to, did she sell these properties in 1031 and trade up? Can you give us the, the broad overview yeah. of what she did with her portfolio? Yeah, good question. So really what she did is she just took money out of her, her stock account where she saw the great lift on her company uh, stock. And she just saw it as diversifying. So she kept her single family portfolios. She still has a good piece of her company stock, but now she has a 22 unit multifamily property. So, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's portfolio changing for her. That's I mean, right. So, diversified. 
So on this note here, since we have, you know, a lot, of our, a lot of our listeners are in a similar boat where they have like, you know, really good residential rental portfolios, especially heavy equity with the last, you know, decade in, in the Denver and front range appreciating markets here. What are like one or two tips that type of investor needs to keep in mind as they trade it from residential to commercial? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest one is understanding the terms of the loan. Um, on the residential side, for the most part, you're going to see a 30-year fixed loan. On the commercial side, we're operating with terms around three to seven years fixed with a 30-year amortization, meaning that you're going to have a balloon payment at some level through through your loan. Um, so that's a big one. And then the other one is a language uh, that we talk about is prepayment language. Um, prepayment penalties isn't really a thing on single family mortgages. And it's um, a very uh, hot topic in commercial real estate. Yeah. So you just want to understand your uh, your liability if you do pay off your, your loan early in that situation. Great. And the last thing I'll say on here, because you know in the commercial lending world, there isn't really like a traditional pre-approval process like we have in the residential world. Now, I know for a lot of people as they're transitioning into commercial multifamily, they need help like that to understand, hey, what, what can I buy based on some, pro, you know, some uh, property examples, based on my, my current disposition, my financial disposition? Now, you guys have put together a, a loose pre-approval program to actually help people understand that. So we'll put that link in the show notes. It's on your guys' website as well. So for newer investors in the commercial, definitely go through that process because they've... Uh, you guys have done something that's very unique in the commercial world to help actually get these investors understanding what the terms are and what they can get into based off of the properties, the market, and also their personal financial statement. So moving on to like the second uh, investor story here. And this is a cool one because you took a very big uh, single family residential portfolio, refinanced it. So William, talk to us about this second uh, story where you help all of investors in this situation. Yeah, so um, you guys probably know this this um, investor profile pretty well. You know, having advised people on what makes the most sense for their profile in terms of, hey, do I need to sell out of some of my existing properties to get into, you know, something um, commercial or five plus unit multifamily or whatever it might be. Um, that was certainly a conversation with this individual who didn't really want to sell um, any of his single family uh, assets to to get into. Um, I think it's a, a 56 unit property, uh, multifamily property that was, um, you know, in the same market as a single families. So instead of having him sell some of those, um, we actually just did a portfolio loan, um, across all of his 28 unit single family residences. So, um, that is another way you can access capital in your existing, uh, portfolio to go and, and buy another property. Um, so this gentleman had actually, um, acquired an old trailer park, got rid of all of the, the mobile homes in it and, um, built single family fixed properties to it. So kind of created a, a miniature neighborhood of, um, two to three bedroom, you know, uh, single family homes, rented them out. And we pooled all of that collateral together to give him cash out, um, to go buy another property. And this is one of the really, again, the creative things with commercial lending is if you're, you know, with residential loans, it's simply one loan per property. Correct. And you can end up against like conventional loan limits of like, you know, 10 properties per borrower on there. Obviously at 28 properties, that's well beyond that 10 loan limit if you went the conventional route. But with commercial, you took all those, you pulled them together and you're able to make it meet what he wanted to do. 
you know, we often talk about, hey, based on the property or asset, sometimes it makes sense to cash out refi. Sometimes it makes sense to sell and trade up. And the spreadsheet says, hey, do this or don't do this. But then the investor's emotion and risk tolerance from profile comes in there as well, where that doesn't always me- uh, mesh with the spreadsheet. And that's sure. where you guys are able to bridge the gap and say, oh, great, you guys want to do this. Here are some loan ideas and loan programs that we can do. And we'll talk about that in um, a deal summary podcast, like you said. But yeah. um, as it relates to kind of investor profile number two, it's somebody who has um, you know, a decent pro, uh, portfolio of rental properties, whether it be, you know, a bunch of single families, this gentleman actually had a couple office properties as well. So from a lender's perspective, um, he's got a little bit of experience in managing and operating, um, you know, commercial or, or rental real estate in a sense. Yeah. And we'll do a deeper dive. Actually, it should be the podcast after this one should be deal analysis that we go into uh, this 28 unit cash out refi into a multi-unit. We'll go on the details on there. And in the future, we're going to go through these different investor profiles and actually do deep dives into all these. And we think that's the best way to really peel back all the nuances and creativity of commercial lending. All right. So investor profile three I'm guessing you're taking this one, Marcus. Yeah, I'll take this We're going to alternate back and forth. Yeah. So here's another profile. Give us the overview as to what this investor profile is and tell us the story. Yeah, now we're getting into, I would say, uh, the most common type of transactions that we do. Um, this one came to us in a, in a different way, but this is, um, this is a portfolio. You know, how we would categorize this is maybe somebody with 10 or more properties in a portfolio. Um, so lots of activity. They're probably a 100% uh, spending their time in real estate and making most of their money in real estate. So um, sophisticated investor, I guess you could say. Um, this one came to us as a time crunch um, opportunity, I guess you could say. It was right before the end of the year. The borrower was under contract under a new acquisition for an industrial purchase, an industrial property purchase. Um, it was a stabilized property. They had already had pretty solid terms in hand, but you know, the, uh, the principal of the, the group said, let's just see if there's another option. They, they brought us in. Thankfully it was a friend who was part of the group who was representing them. They brought us in and over in one day we brought them a term sheet, um, a fully vetted term sheet with extremely competitive terms. And we were able to close that transaction in 40 days. Um, this was a risk for the borrower because they already had terms in hand with an institution that they've worked with before. Um, but we had to give them confidence that we could fulfill these terms. Um, we could do it in the manner that would meet their timeline. And, you know, thankfully now we're in with these guys and they're a great, a great client of ours. And, um, we're quite proud of this because we saved them a lot of money through the interest rate savings and also, um, through the origination cost. So you said it was, it was risky from their perspective. So they were already under contract mm-hmm. with, I mean, with what, 40 some days to closing, That's right. which in commercial world is, is a pretty quick close. Um, they're in there, have a term sheet from a lender that they've worked in the past. Is it risky because just they haven't done a deal with you guys? Is that why you use the word risky? Yeah, I guess risky because um, you're starting a due diligence process from your shot clock is 40 days. Um, They were already down the road with their current lender. So they're maybe giving up a week. And just like in all of our worlds, you have to rely on trust at some level. And they had to believe in both us and the lender to do what we say we were going to do to make the transaction go through. So um, at some level, anytime you're taking on a new lending institution, I guess it could be viewed as risk. I think in this situation with the tight timeline, 
they were taking a, a, essentially a risk on us and um, we're thankful it all worked out. Of oh course. yeah. And that's other, you know, just a highlight difference between a residential and commercial where the residential contracts are very buyer friendly. Oh, finance doesn't work out. Cancel two days before closing and get your earnest money back. Usually doesn't work that way in commercial uh, right. transactions I've seen. Earnest money is hard. You don't perform. Hey, too bad. We're keeping that $50,000 or whatever the amount of money is. Like That's it, right. There are consequences to not meeting loan deadlines. I think there was three different deals hinging on this one closing. So this deal works and then the buyer has a 1031 and then that next buyer has another 1031 situation. So it's... Uh, Had the dominoes lined up. Yeah, huh? pretty gnarly. Yeah. And this is a, a good thing to take a step back and always you know, remind people that you know lending is one of the most critical parts of the real estate transaction, but often I think a very overlooked one because it's not the most fun part of the deal. Um, do as much as you can on the lending before you're under contract. So you're not, uh, you know, rush up against timelines or you're, you're scrambling, you're making you guys scramble. So the more work you, you do up front, the better, right? Yeah. I mean, is that's part of the pre-approval process, right? Is we can vet you as an individual and know where the down payment's coming from, um, understand any sources of outside income that might help the underwriting. And then, you know, once you identify a property that you want to buy. It's sort of plug and play at that point. Great. All right. So moving on to investor profile four, and this one I'm very interested in because this is a world I know very little about, but I find it fascinating to me. I know you do um, a lot of funding for developers and developing of projects. So walk me through a typical transaction or client and just the basics of it. Yeah. So there's kind of three prongs to a developer, right? Where someone who's coming in and buying a piece of land, they may be buying with that with that with cash, which um, obviously there's not a lending need there. Um, but if they do need to finance the land, um, we do have lending options out there for them for that. Typically, if the land is purchased with cash, that's their equity in for um, the ground up construction piece of, of the development, whether that be you know for rent units or for sale units, or maybe it's office industrial, something like that. Um, there is going to be a financing need in most cases for the construction of that building. So um, we can assist with um, the ground up construction financing that typically tends to be kind of a short term interest only period um, while they're building the facility and stabilizing it. And then, you know, maybe the goal would be to sell that upon stabilization um, or maybe they're holding it, in which case that leads to, um, you know, prong number three, which is the permanent financing upon stabilization. So um, kind of potentially three different lending needs there, um, where we can assist and, and that, and, you know, investor profile typically looks like a pretty, um, you know, experienced developer, um, who's looking for loan sizes, maybe 5 million or higher. Okay. And you touched on kind of the way you, uh, I'll say stack lending or loans. I don't guess the best the appropriate word, but as you put them all together. And that's when the, I have found fascinating in the commercial world a lot of times as people buy multifamily or commercial property, they have their their bridge financing or somewhat like temporary financing for six months to a couple of years, go in there, get it under control, uh, raise the rents, do some improvements, stabilize it, and then put into place for like more permanent financing. And this is very different than what we see in the residential world. And so on the commercial side, it's fantastic because you guys not only say, hey, here's a great, you know, step one lending, but let's let's think about like, two or three chess moves down the road. So what we do today feeds into the loan in two years for a cash out refi, non-recourse or permanent financing. 
that's one thing is I really like what you guys do with our clients and the people I've seen is the way you stack those lending options on there together and actually do the strategic planning on there as well. Right. And so in those kinds of scenarios, it becomes very important to understand what the strategy is around that um, property because of what Marcus talked about earlier, where prepayment penalties might come into play. I mean, we don't want to sign you up for a seven-year note that has a seven-year prepayment penalty if you might sell that thing in, say, three to five years, right? No one's going to feel real good about that. So we try to dig into what those priorities are on the front end so that we can source the right financing um, you know, for, for borrowers as well. All right. Last but not least, uh, going into the fifth profile, this is a very sophisticated investor. Um, give us a rundown as to what their portfolio looks like and what you guys do with these, you know, sophisticated investors. Yeah, <clears throat> we had an opportunity to to help an extremely sophisticated uh, multifamily investor uh, last year. We actually had um, two of these gentlemen that we worked with, and really, these are guys that have over two thousand units. Um, owned and operated uh, usually by themselves as far as an equity and a sponsorship group. Um, so these are these are guys that have really take control of entire markets usually. Um, a gentleman I'm referring to now that we just helped with is a, a guy that has over 2,500 units in just Houston alone. Um, so he's kind of setting the market at some level. Um, these are the deals that are hardest uh, as far as barriers for us to, to get into because... Um, these are investors that have been in their markets for say 20 to 30 years. They have tons of lending relationships. So for us, we really have to show a level of value that, um, is unique, you know? Um, so for this gentleman, he had done a, he had done a purchase, uh, in July last year through a major bank, um, high leverage, 75% loan to value. Um, he wanted to refinance that because at the last minute of the closing through this national bank. Uh, they threw in an insurance policy that cost him over $300,000 a year, just another line on the insurance. Um, like just threw on the closing statement? Yeah, oh. pretty much a, an insurance requirement around uh, windstorm insurance, um, which for here in Colorado, we're, we're, we don't have windstorm insurance. Um, so uh, what had happened is they threw this down there. He knew right away, I need to refinance this because I can't take on this additional cost. So we were tasked with finding a lender that could operate with the high leverage position um, so I could work around this, this windstorm insurance requirement and uh, use past due diligence to get this loan closed um, before the end of the year. So a lot of the end of the year stuff here because it's fresh on our mind. But this was a transaction we got done within 30 days. Um, they relied on the, the old appraisal to get this done. It was a $28 million refinance. Um, the benefit for the borrower was he was able to lower his effective interest rate. He was able to reduce that insurance clause, uh, which saved him over $300,000 a year. And, you know, for us, although it was hard to break in now, I think he sees the value of our relationship and uh, we should get many more looks from this individual. Oh, I mean, first off, congratulations. Well, thank you. And that's a total win for the investor there. Better interest rate, save a bunch of money, multiple six figures on insurance. Yeah. Probably likes you guys now. (laughs) Um, so those five profiles are good, like, you know, just high level profiles of a lot of commercial clients that you guys work with, we do work with, and it's good to start bucketing, hey, here's different scenarios. And as we move forward in creating more content, because as strategic partners, we're going to be relying, you guys, relying on you guys a lot for additional content, those deep dives. We'll be doing deep dives on all different types of these profiles from like a deal analysis perspective and also just some general lending terms. 
both a heavy emphasis on deal analyses because I love learning. I love learning through deal analyses, and it's the best way to talk about it. Say, here's a real deal. Here's a real transaction. Because no matter what, here's all the bullet points. There's always a few asterisks. Oh, well, this happened because of this, or this happened. There's always that case. And so it's a great way to learn. So I want to wrap up here with a few other just the final questions on here. Um, let's talk about what markets you guys work in. You've mentioned a few out-of-state markets. And this is something that's good for people to know where a lot of times brokers and residential lenders are licensed in one state. Commercial is different, right? How's that work from commercial perspective? Yeah, I'll take that one. So um, we are here in, in Colorado, but we do deals um, across the country. I mean, we've seen um, probably deal in almost every state um, at this point in time. Um, we've closed deals in uh, probably half the states at this point in time. So um, our lending relationships are both local to the market, um, but also national lenders. So, um, and, it, and it's kind of our job to know who's active in what markets, right? So, um, you know, the 28 single family portfolio is down in Mississippi. Marcus just gave the Houston example. Um, we've got stuff in Ohio, California, Arizona, North Dakota, you know, ev- across the across the country. So, um, though we're here in Denver, um, we can look at deals all all you know, nationwide. Yeah, I, I love it that you have like like the, the national lending network, but also, I mean, you told me at some point, I forget, but I think it was like dozens of local banks and credit unions you guys stay in touch with and, you know, sure. golf and grab lunch with, you know, whatever, like around town. Like, give me, give us a little perspective on what the local relationship scene looks like from a bank and um, a bank perspective. Yeah, well, you know, like William mentioned, we both kind of grew up in banks here in Colorado. So, I think by now we have a great pulse on um, what the what the entire market is. We probably know somebody at every lending institution here locally, and we're letting that kind of momentum spread through the country as well. So when we work on a deal, say in Houston, we're making sure we meet pretty much all the lenders in Houston that we, that we can, um, and try to strike up a relationship because ultimately that will benefit our clients down the road. So. Cool. And one thing I want to make sure we link to, because it was last year at this time, uh, Terrence and I had you on the Bigger Pockets Multifamily Mentors show to talk about commercial lending. And that was a great deep dive into more of the nuances of commercial lending. So we'll link to it. The, we'll link to that in the show notes for people to get more details on there because it was a great episode. And plus, I recall, I don't hope it's not giving away personal information, but I believe one of these scenarios actually came from an investor who connected with you from that show, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that 28 single family portfolio example um, did come from an investor who saw that podcast and reached out to us because he was trying to buy this multifamily property and needed some cash out from one of his or a couple of his other assets um, in order to make that one go. So that was a, it's a fun, fun tie back for sure. Yeah, and I want to really emphasize that because I've gotten this, and as you guys on the podcast more, you will as you'll get it as well. People say, "Oh, well, I've heard you on the podcast," but then they're for some reason they don't want to reach out to see if you can help them with lending. I want to emphasize that you guys can. If anyone out there wants to get commercial real estate or is already in commercial real estate, reach out to Spearhead. You guys can talk to them, help figure out their options, and this is just a great benefit where you educate. And if anything sounds interesting to our listeners out there, please reach out. And if you have commercial lending questions, reach out to these guys, not me. I know the basics. <laughs> say, hey, great. Here's Mark's cell phone. Here's a website. Go talk to him. Um, but it's a great thing. As we go through all this content creation, the deal analyses, we'll be doing a lot of these this year. We are starting a, <clears throat> excuse me, we are starting a quarterly commercial market update for Colorado as well. You guys will be on there. 
Of course, we'll have some educational content on the podcast as well. Just get people more exposure to commercial lending. So I'm very excited to have you guys on the team to talk about that because you're experts, you're in the trenches, and you're growing, which is what we like. So last question, where's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Uh, you said it. We just revamped our website. We're quite proud of that. And there's a getting started function uh, page on our website. That would probably be the best place to start an inquiry. Um, you can connect with each of us on LinkedIn, of course. And we've been trying to fill out more and more content on our YouTube page, which is usually recaps of deals that we just closed and you know some breakdowns of the, the content we're creating with you guys. Great. And what is the website domain? spearheadmortgage.com spearheadmortgage.com we'll put the link in the show notes all right gentlemen thank you so much this was great thank you chris thanks chris 